It always made Beryl smile when she saw how well Enid's delphiniums did in the bed in the corner where they had buried Dennis. Great tall spires in shades of blue. Dennis had liked blue, she recalled. She had bought him a blue sweater once, soft wool, that Air force color, blue-gray, like his eyes. It must have been the Christmas before it happened. He had opened it on Boxing Day, of course, because he hadn't been able to slip away on the day itself. But even so, he had been pleased, she thought. He had said he'd been pleased, and he'd worn it every time he came around after that. He had even been wearing it on that last day. A soft, cuddly blue sweater, a little shrunk by then because she'd washed it in water a bit too hot one time. He'd not been able to take it home, of course. Happy days. There'd not been many happy days since, Beryl thought, as she washed up the tea things and put them on the draining board to dry. Her eyes filled up with tears as she watched the dirty water swirl away down the sink and arched her back to ease the pain which had been bad that day. It wouldn't be long now, she thought. Not long until Enid would realize who had won in the end. She glanced in the mirror as she walked slowly and painfully out of the kitchen. She was getting very thin, she thought, quite haggard about the face, but that was only to be expected. It was the losing weight which had brought that instant look of alarm into the doctor's eyes when she had first consulted him. A man of not many words, and those reassuring enough as he wrote out the letter to the hospital, but he had not been able to hide that flash of fear, the knowledge that only he and Beryl shared, although she had never put it into words and never would. There were compensations, though, she'd see. Beryl went back into the sitting room where her sister was sitting with her feet up on the sofa, glued to the television, with a box of chocolates at her side. Did you let the cat out? Enid asked, not taking her eyes off the screen. Beryl mumbled a response. There had been a dog years ago, a scruffy terrier which she had adopted, or perhaps he had adopted her one night on the way home from work. He had sat on the doorstep until, in the teeth of Enid's objections, she'd always been a catty person, not a doggy person. She said endlessly, Beryl had let him in. They had reported it to the police, of course, but no one claimed him, and so he stayed. In fact, if it hadn't been for Scruffy and the desultory walks she took him on, down by the park to let him root in the shrubbery, round by the pond where he made angry little rushes at the ducks but refused to go in above his tummy, and across the grass to let him do what he had to do, past the shops to buy a paper and some sweets for Enid, and back home again. She might never have met Dennis Cleave. Did you make me a cup of coffee? Enid said, in that complaining whine she had developed over the years. Didn't I ask you to make me a cup of coffee? You know it keeps me awake if you leave it too late. Beryl had sat down carefully in the armchair on the other side of the fire. Now she eased herself just as carefully to her feet again without comment. They didn't talk much these days. There was really nothing that the two sisters had left to say to each other. Enid had taken her pension early and given up work and now sat getting fatter, seldom going out. Beryl, older, growing gray and stick-like, waited on her, shopped and cooked, 
cleaned and paid the bills. She had no complaints. She knew how much worse it could have been. Even when Enid had decreed all those years ago that the dog Scruffy would have to go, that even little dogs can dig and digging was the one thing they could not risk, Beryl had made no complaint. The alternative was too awful to think about. But it had gnawed at her guts over the years until now it was gnawing her to death. And of course when Enid retired, they had got a cat, a nasty sly creature which treated Beryl with disdain. But Enid liked it and it seemed to like Enid. It sat on her lap and purred as she endlessly stroked its silky hair, its whole body vibrating with an almost sexual pleasure, claws out of sight, tail twitching gently. Two of a kind, Beryl had decided, as she fed it and filled its water bowl and let it in and out, indulging herself in a kick now and again when her sister wasn't looking. Horrid creatures, cats. It was odd how firm Enid had been about the garden. That was her domain, she insisted. Beryl was to look after the house, and she would look after the garden. That was fair, wasn't it? Not really, Beryl thought sourly as she hobbled back into the kitchen to put the kettle on. It was, after all, a tiny garden, and she did not believe Enid gained any pleasure from her obsessive planting and weeding and pruning. It had much more to do with keeping her away from Dennis, she was sure. Even now, she could not stomach the idea that Beryl had attracted a man, even so late in the day when she, a good eight years younger, but not so pretty, everyone said so, had not. I was pretty, Beryl said to herself, not realizing that she had spoken aloud. She spooned the coffee into the pot. I was pretty. Dennis said so. He wouldn't have looked at me otherwise. She felt rather than heard her sister behind her. Whining again, are we? Enid asked. She moved surprisingly quiet for one so gross. Whining on about dear Dennis. Well, you lost him, didn't you, dear? In more ways than one. Beryl turned away, although she knew there was no escape. There had never been any escape from Enid. Even when they were kids, almost as soon as she could walk and talk, Enid had been in charge. For just that short, sweet time, it had been different. Before Enid found out, before she began to suspect and pry, and finally came home one afternoon with a migraine, she said, although there had never been a migraine before or since. She had found them in bed together. Come on, let's hear you say it, Enid said. You lost him, to me. Beryl pressed her lips tight shut and picked up the kettle, ready to pour the boiling water into the pot. Say it, Enid said, suddenly harsh. Say it. She took hold of Beryl's hand, so thin now it was almost a claw, and pushed it momentarily against the side of the kettle. Say it! Beryl pulled away with a gasp. She was determined that she would not cry out. She had never cried out. Not on that first day when Enid had thrown a tantrum and Dennis had fled in confusion, fastening his trousers as he rushed down the stairs, nor on the last day, the day he didn't go home. But she would have to say it or there would be worse than a small pink burn on her hand. I lost him to you, she said quietly. God help me, she thought. You vicious, vindictive cow. He really fancied me, you know, Enid said smugly, spooning three teaspoons of sugar into her coffee. Do you remember that silky mauve shirt I had? He really liked that, liked to run his fingers over it. 
Beryl eased herself out of the kitchen, teeth clenched, fists in a tight ball. She could not lay a finger on Enid. She knew that, even if she could have found the strength. Her sister was not stupid. She had made her disposition soon after they had dug the pit under the flower bed and eased Dennis Cleave's stiffened body into the makeshift grave. Certainly not stupid, Beryl thought. Very, very clever, in fact, though perhaps in the end not clever enough. It had been Enid's idea to keep hold of Dennis's keys and find his car. He never parked right outside the house, of course, just in case, he said, with that knowing, bright smile which melted her inside. But they had found his escort easily enough, a couple of streets away, outside the corner grocers, later on that night when the streets were dark and deserted, and they had driven in convoy all the way to Scorbor. Enid driving Dennis's car slowly and a bit jerkily, with Beryl close behind in their little metro. Beryl had been shaking so much by then that she had hardly been able to change gear. But they'd got there in the end and left his car in the car park by the North Beach, out of sight, out of mind, as Enid had said. They read in the local newspaper later that week that a local man, an estate agent, had disappeared from home and his car had been found on the coast. And that had been that. Easy, really, Enid had said with satisfaction. But that bloody dog would have to go. Dogs dig up bones, after all. It's a well-known fact. They couldn't risk his scrabbling little paws, could they? Beryl lay awake that night, as she often did now. She nursed her pain and a secret glee that she could not reveal the faintest sign of during daylight hours. And she thought about Dennis. A weak man, she concluded in the end. And perhaps she had suspected as much all along. A man for the main chance, and in the beginning, she had obviously been the main chance. A woman crying out for it, as Enid had so rudely put it in one of their vicious arguments after she had found out about the affair. But it hadn't seemed like that at the time. At first, they had simply strolled together in the park with Scruffy. He could be out of his office at all sorts of times of the day, he said, with that smile and those innocent wide blue eyes. He had plenty of excuses for going home late from work to the wife and children on the other side of town. An affair, he implied, was easy for him, if she fancied him as much as he fancied her. And there wasn't much doubt about that, Beryl thought bitterly. And really and truly, it should have been easy for her too. She was unmarried, unattached, with a good job, and a half share in her own house. And not unattractive then, for God's sake. Attractive even in a pale, fair way, she'd hear people say. Why should she not take a lover? Everyone else seemed to. But deep down, she knew it would not be easy at all if Enid found out, as Enid inevitably would. There'd been silences, long hurt and hurtful silences. Scruffy had been shut out of the house for days at a time. Meals which Enid said she'd cooked did not appear. Chores she had undertaken were not done, and the house became dusty and unkept. Barrow felt quite a shame asking Dennis in, never quite sure what she'd find. What she found in the end, of course, was Dennis, in the kitchen with Enid, wrapped in her huge warm embrace. He had his back to her, and Enid's triumphant eyes caught hers over his shoulder, and they said, I have she did not remember much after that, though she had to believe what Enid told her. She had picked up the knife and lunged at Dennis from behind. 
And although the moment of impact, or impacts, in it said six, seven, eight frenzied blows had been wiped somehow from her conscious mind, she could certainly remember the aftermath. The blood on the kitchen floor, the stiffening body half under the table, and the frantic digging in the garden in the rain. Barrow had never wept for Dennis. He had been a vain and foolish man, and she knew that now. A fond lover, but weak and easily led. Betrayal was his stock in trade, and she knew that now. Aware of the ease with which he had slipped into his adultery with her and into Enid's capacious arms when the chance offered, she should have turned her back and walked away, would have turned her back and walked away, perhaps if it had not been for that look of triumph in Enid's eyes. That had been the trigger, she thought that had been the spur. If Burl could not have him, then Enid wouldn't either. Barrow died as she knew she would, passing away quietly in her sleep, causing no one any trouble. Enid stirred herself just enough to organize a plain but decent funeral and settled down to enjoy her small inheritance. It was several weeks later when she was disturbed one morning by a ring at the front door. Two men in plain clothes stood there and behind them Enid could see men in dark overalls getting out of a white police van with picks and spades. We have authority to search your house and garden they said, oblivious to the panic which seized her. How? She asked. Why? Why now? She knew, of course, and for the first time in many years thought she heard her sister Beryl laughing. Beryl and Enid, two sisters bound together in life by joint ownership of the home they shared, but also entrapped in a toxic lifelong relationship where the stronger sister dominated and mistreated the weaker one in order to always win. But Beryl went to her grave knowing she would win in the end. It was her dying wish for Enid to know that she had lost. It was Beryl's last will and testament. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Mini Mystery Theater. I am Tim Grant, your host, inviting you to stay tuned to this channel and be sure to tune in for our next episode.